Hello, and welcome to Baker's Dozen, the podcast where BugCrowd CSO David Baker talks to security leaders about their concerns, priorities, and how they are navigating this constantly changing landscape. In today's episode, Baker talks to CISO of Atlassian, Adrian Ludwig. Hi, everyone. Uh, David Baker, CSO with BugCrowd here again uh, with the CSO podcast series. Um, Big shout out to Jonathan Hunt, uh, who did the first one. Had some great feedback and some great answers from Jonathan. Um, right now with me is Adrian Ludwig. Um, uh, he is the CISO of Atlassian, Atlassian yep. big partner customer of BugCrowd. Um, I will let him give an introduction to himself and talk about like all the cool stuff he's working on currently with Atlassian. For about two minutes, because we had a lot of questions. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, yep. Now, I've been at Elastian now for just about a year. Uh, we are going through, I think, as a lot of companies are, the, the sort of transition from one business model to the next. Right? We've been around for about 15 years at this point. Uh, and we're seeing customers that really want us to help them move to the cloud uh, in terms of how their data is managed and stored. Uh, as they sort of accelerate their use of agile tools and things like Jira Confluence. Uh, being agile uh, is, is about not just their internal processes, but it's also about uh, you know, being more efficient in how they manage their resources and, and their applications. And so a lot of what my team is focused on is making sure that we can offer the most secure environment possible for customer data, um, which you know, 10 years ago wasn't something that uh, Atlassian had to worry about. We had to build really, really good software, uh, but ultimately the security was in the hands of their customers, and that's changing for us. Is there any software company that does not use Jira? Like, that's a big question, because who does not use Jira? <laughs> there, there are very few, I'm sure. I, uh, I, I have met zero CISOs that have a company that do not use Jira. So, like, it is a mainstay, and I think it's... Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, everywhere I've been, it's Jira, Confluence, or just, you know, your basics. you got to have those. If you don't have those, then you don't really have a software shop. Like, like... GitHub, that's that's optional, but you gotta have you gotta have Jira Confluence. Um, okay, um, you know it's interesting. When I was a CISO at Okta, um, we we had an on-prem version of Jira when I started there in, in 2012. It was kind of ironic that we moved um, and migrated out to the cloud because the irony is Okta, like we're cloud forward and everyone had to be in the cloud. We had a single sign-on for the cloud and everything. Like, but we had an on-prem version of Jira, so. Um, but anyway, those old news. Okay, um, one of the things I want, and this is, so this is, these questions are um, things that I see a lot of CISOs talking about, and so I think it's, it's um, your wisdom and your insight uh, are gonna be critical for people who are listening to this because you know everyone knows Atlassian, so like how you're attacking these things, um, or how you're deflecting them, um, or ignoring them completely, yeah, it's very important. Like knowing which things to ignore. Yeah, is exactly. Most, probably the most important thing. Um, so I know that um, everyone talks about the security shortage of of staff. Like you just yep. can't find enough security folks. People come and do bug bounties so they can leverage the crowd. But what I'm I'm actually wanted to dig in on is how do you address I mean, you're not going to find enough folks to hire. So people start with, okay, I'll do cross-functional. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll have, do I embed folks? Yep. Uh, there's this notion of embedded security, like, yep. like what 
Lyft and, and Uber and Facebook are trying, where like, I don't need a CSO, I'll just embed a security person in every, um, you know, every every organization. Yeah, save, on, save on overhead, less management, for sure. I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> Conflict's my job, but anyway, um, like, so how are you dealing with that sort of resource? Like, like are you, I know you probably have some, yeah. some strategies. So what are those strategies of, of I guess, um, influence the organizations within the business to help you with exactly just personnel? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, a, there's lots of stuff packed into that. So I'll talk through a few different strategies that we're using. Um, the first is recognizing that a lot of security challenges are not actually security problems. They're just software problems and scale problems and automation problems and people problems. Um, and so, uh, you know, if I, if I looked at our team a year ago, uh, the team was focused on hiring people who are security generalists. Maybe they could do some product security. Maybe they could do some you know, variety of different roles. Uh, and one of the things that we've done over the last year is begun to have specialization, um, where some of that specialization, in fact, I think the majority of the hiring that we're planning next year within the security organization doesn't require any security experience. Um, security interest would be nice, but it's not something that we need. What we need really are people who can build uh, services that will monitor you know, our controls inside of our environment and we'll make sure that they're up, make sure that they're running, make sure that they're running effectively triage issues when they come in, not security issues, but bugs in our services to make sure that they're running. Um, so you know, more than half of the hiring that we're gonna do next year is just like straight off the shelf Java developers. Uh, exactly the same type of developers or Python developers or Go developers, exactly the same kind of developers that Atlassian is hiring in general. Right? We're growing 30, 40% year over year in terms of our entire employee base. But they'll report directly into the security yep. team yeah. and just develop uh, on tools on top of. Exactly. You guys are like, Tools on top of tools on top of tools. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's tools all right like now. AWS we actually have shirts that say, I build software for developers who build software to build it. Uh, I like that. Um, <laughs> hang up in the cafeteria. Um, we also do the, like, the embedded model. Like We have security champions and a couple people at each of the teams. That's all about sort of increasing connectivity and making sure you don't miss things and making sure that you know, issues get routed um, to the security organization. And we don't have to have, be, have our tentacles directly in the other teams because the team sort of volunteer to participate um, so there's some efficiency gains there as well do you do any sort of like tour of duty model i, I know that we've, we've had CSOs talk about champion and parsi yeah you can sort of swag at it and you can sort of yep. that seems to be a bit but there's the idea of um the tour of duty where mm -hmm. you can like have developers it sounds like it's not necessarily congruent to what you're doing because you have developers who are developing I mean, tour of duty is like a very, you know, bellicostic way of describing like what we use is the phrase secondment, which I think is the Australian equivalent, right? You're kind of on a vacation with the other team, um, checking it out, trying it for a while. A walkabout, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Security walkabout. Um, so we've, we've had a few people do that. Um, those are actually more common in the security team where somebody's like, oh, I want to be on red team for a while. Oh, I want to do security intelligence for a while, just to understand the different pieces. Um, but we've had some people come in and out as well. Interesting. I think it, it's a, it's a, it's you do have a unique case um, since you have the ability to have like a, a, a big staff of developers or literally and, developing and I, on top of. What you guys are every doing. time I talk to a vendor, um, they describe you know oh you tie this together and this together and connect all that and it's like who's going to like make that work? How's that going to fit into our environment? Um, and that's where we end up doing software integration, basically. Um, and those are just straight up software developers. 
Do you have any dotted line uh, setups within the organization? Like, do you so the compliance? Uh, for we haven't made it formal. So my team rolls up into our CTO, which is technical uh, organization engineering. Um, compliance is part of the general counsel's staff. Right, right. Um, privacy is also technically part of general counsel's. Our lawyers are people who pretend to be lawyers uh, on the compliance side. Program managers that are more structured in their their approach. Um, like we're close peers to them, we're close peers to the, the audit team as well. Um, you know, they, they come to us and ask what we want to have audited and, and, and we're very honest. Like the things that we think we're doing well, we want you to look at those because we want to know what we're missing. The things that we know we're totally wiping out, we're totally honest with the, the board and the rest of the company and are open about those being gaps. And so auditing, that's not that valuable because we're just transparent. Those are areas that we're investing in right now. Um, so no no formal dotted lines, but lots of partnerships for sure. Interesting. How do you how do you uh, is it just fostering those partnerships based upon mutual need, or is there a special like in transparency and security is very very important, right? And being able to say yeah we we don't know how to solve this. A lot a lot of it is like core to Atlassian corporate culture, right? Um, we have a few values. One of them involves the phrase bullshit, um, so you can edit that if that's necessary, but. Uh, Open company, no bullshit, rolls down from the, from the top. Um, we also have don't fuck the customer, so good vulgarities throughout all of our corporate values. Um, no, which, yeah, certainly not. Super clean, right? It's just like right to the point. Uh, and those those things are just end up being core to how relationships work in the company. Um, like, if I've made a mistake, I acknowledge it. I move on. The CEOs have acknowledged when they've made mistakes. The CEOs are both founders and CEOs, um, and, and that's just expected, right? We're all we're all human, uh, so it's it's not not nearly the same level of issues I've seen other places. Interesting. Good. Well, that's that is definitely unique. Um, all right, I'm going to switch gears to sort of the uh, we always get um, on the the CISO Slack channel about how to manage the assets, right? So, yeah. In the Valley, most everyone's like, a, you know, we have this, we're Mac shops, right? Mm -hmm. And um, everyone argues about using or not to use Jamf. Um, and, you know, do you need endpoint vulnerability or anti-malware types of stuff? We all sort of go back and forth on that. Um, really, we all want to do is have Google, you know, pixels books, right? Sure. So, like, you know, it's great. So how do... So you sounds like you've conquered that for yourself. That's like, a little strong. Do you? Uh, um, what? So there's two parts of this. One is, um, how are you sort of managing your your sort of yep. fleet of laptops? Um, and then the next question is, how are you managing your the user's cell phones access? Because there's there's like a whole drop off in this idea of MDM at the cell phone that no one's really using anymore. Yeah. Um... Good, good questions all. So I think- you know, What's your secret one? Yeah, no, we've got it, we've got it absolutely dialed in. It's perfect that I wouldn't change anything except that we're about to change everything. Um, so we in the past have been a fairly traditional, uh, you know, VPN, uh, flat net, relatively flat network, like surprisingly flat network, I think some people might find. Uh, we're moving towards a much more heterogeneous environment um, in terms of network topology, um, building individual, uh, VLANs for BYOD devices, corporate-owned devices, and a few other categories, things like 
uh, isolating our you know, routers and printers and things like that, that uh, our video conferencing uh, software, IoT, putting it into a completely separated environment. Uh, in terms of laptops, we're mostly Mac shop. Um, we are doing some trials around using Chromebooks, um, primarily because we think there are a whole bunch of use cases where uh, access to data is just not required. Um, and having that not even be an option is helpful for auditability and being able to track where that data is at. Um, arguably, there are better security as well, just verified boot, things like that. Um, the lack of visibility is a little bit unnerving uh, when it comes to Chromebooks in terms of, you know, it's nice that OSQuare gives you the ability to see what's going on on the device, even if it's still nerve-wracking from a malware standpoint. Um, but, I mean, I think but, the attack surface is so much smaller, though. It's like, if I go to look at everyone's <clears throat> computer, what application does the entire sales team? Yeah, no, I, right. Yeah, right. no, no, I, I, well, maybe not the sales team because they're probably opening proposals and things like that. But yes, the point, the point is valid, which is the tax service generally might be smaller. And so it's attractive uh, and not being able to install applications is super attractive yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of being able to manage those devices. So um, we're in a trial mode at this point um, and, and, and we'll see where we can go from there. I mean, this is like one of the epic gifts that I have here at BugCrowd is I even have uh, the chief financial officer using Google Sheets. Nice. So, like, we have muscled our way into like using Google. Not the one get in the rest of the way. Using the one Google. I'm banging my head against is Keynote, um, which I loathe. Uh, I would much rather use. I just came from Google yeah. uh, a year ago, so the idea of using software that's installed is like. Totally and Google Apps is just a tremendous job. I can get a Word document. I yeah. can convert it to a Google document, and I can convert it back to a word document seamlessly. It's like, that has gotten so good. It's like, and uh, do I, yeah. And it's the commenting and collaboration and the workflow around it that I think are the, the key winners. Yeah, I mean, I have the best arguments with the marketing team over collaboration on Google Docs. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, so that's good. Please keep <laughs> going on how that goes because I've seen many a CISO well, like, start doing trialing of the, of the pixel books. Yeah. And it just goes nowhere. Goes nowhere. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think people get kind of addicted to the brushed aluminum. And um, there's a suddenly, a, I think there's a look and feel that people get used to with their hmm. the OS. Like, I remember when I first started using Mac, I had been a Windows person for a long time. Like, this just doesn't feel right. And after a while, it goes away. But it, Kind of have to get people through that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I think any kind of change where there's a big usability factor is one that's hard to have security team push it. Um, and figuring out who the partners are and, and how you actually would make it happen is, is going to be a key part of the challenge. Uh, but we're, we're early on right now, just understanding, you know, are there gaps? Um, and so far, we haven't seen very many technical gaps. So I think it's going to come down to, um, you know, can we get, can we work through the usability issues as well? What about uh, cell phones? Um, company doesn't buy phones. Uh, so it's all 100% BYOD. Uh, it's uh, an area that we're trying to figure out how much we can lock it down in terms of access to corporate applications and what that looks like. Um, certainly, um, you know, email, what are, what, are the, what are the rules and restrictions that we can put on? I think we're going to end up with an MDM on devices. Really? Uh, Which are you going to do that? Uh, we're looking at a few right now. Um, so not, we're in negotiations right now. So I'm not going to name any names. But uh, 
um, you know, mostly that's around making sure that we know um, that the things that are connected to our network are actually things that are associated with an individual employee. Uh, one of the most nerve wracking things is to look at a list of, you know, here's the N and the number could be 10, it could be 100, it could be 1000. It's like, where did this thing come from? Um, is it what I think it is? And, and how can I build for, for me, it's about how do we build automation around access to, to data and applications and make sure that um, we can go beyond just a, a simple one or two factor authentication, even for internal access and turn it into more than that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting challenge. I think that um, there are, so speaking with Jonathan, there's the whole problem with privacy. So if you want to mm -hmm. go and, and add um, NDM on the cell phone, I'm not going to buy your cell phone, but I want you to put this profile. Yep. I'm going to install a profile and you're going to be able to use it. At that point, it's like, well, I don't want that profile. Um, but then again, you want people to have access to their cell phone. They can check email, they can be mobile, and it's, it's you know, the flexibility and agility is there. Um, and um, I just, um, I, I think that the current tool sets are just, just, they, there's been a lot of fail for the past yeah, I five years. I mean, even at Okta, we tried to get the, the home mobile um, app together. Yep. And the idea was, hey, I could log into the mobile app. I get all the same applications that I have on my laptop. The problem is, is that I log into the mobile one and I get a dashboard just like the Okta dashboard and I click on it and suddenly it's like, no, I'm going to my Bouncing all around and the whole usability of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why do I, like, why do I need that? And so, um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting as well. I think um, having the profile and having mm -hmm. um, having the profile be able to tell you whatever someone's connected is, is like kind of like. I mean, necessary. we're what we want is basic inventory management. Um, so, a basic understanding of yes, this is in fact the device that that user is expected to be using so that we can then validate that the connections that we're seeing to the internal services have come from a place that we're expecting, right? Um, so more advanced features like tracking applications or looking at browsing history, we're not planning on using any of those things. Um, certainly we have questions uh, that employees ask about what policies we have and how we're gonna use them. Um, but this is again where being a company that's very, very transparent about how we're interacting with our employees is super helpful. Because um, we're going to be upfront and say, we're not going to look at any of those things. You can look at the policies associated with it. If there was a simpler way for us to track, uh, we would provide it. Uh, you know, we would take advantage of it. But it turns out this is the simplest way is to, to bind uh, a VPN connection to MDM and, and go from there. Yeah. No, you're right. I think, I think it's a, it, there is a lot of varying challenges. Yeah. So I, I know a few that are in your camp, a few that like, don't want to do it at all because they don't have um, and fringe on what the users think is privacy. Yeah, so it's, it's, I, it's, it's hard. I always, it is super hard. Uh, and I always fall back on, you know, would you be comfortable as a customer knowing that your data might be somewhere that you, nobody can tell you where it is? Um, and if you're not comfortable with that, why would you expect any of our customers to be? No. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the time when Apple has this NDM that you get as part of your enterprise subscription, right? Sure. That's what's been, been touted for a while. Yeah. Like I buy my Apple subscription and they install the profile mm -hmm. on the device. Um, and then you have the basic sort of identity, like this identity is on your network type of thing. Right? Yeah. And it's, 
you know, that was that was supposed to be delivered a couple of years ago. Yeah. I don't know anything about how Apple stuff works. I came from Android, so yeah. I hear they make phones, but or no, yeah, they have somebody else make like <laughs> No, I'm just messing with you. But I, I think yes, figuring out how to do a work profile is like. But I think even the whole has much better advanced uh, like MDM feature that does exactly that, which is you know. Yeah. No, the work the work profile on Pixel or on other yeah. Android devices was great. Um, gives you the comfort that as an employee, you're you know. That work profile only has access to your work applications. Everything else is outside of it. The operating system guarantees that stays outside of that. The MDM doesn't have access to anything that happens outside of that work profile. Um, and that, I think, works great. Um, but you need to have an MDM deployed in order to turn it on. Interesting. All right. Um, we have a few minutes left. I wanted to ask you about the last thing, which is um, metrics. Sure. Um, one of the things that it's not about like how do you report up to like your team, so on and so forth is it's literally, what are the metrics that you use to report to your executive team? Mm -hmm. and I know it's not going to be like these 5,000 bugs that are like resolved or not resolved. It's, it's, you know, high level stuff. And then the other two questions are what I always get to the, uh, from the board of directors is, do you have enough money as a security team? Which I think you probably do, but how do you compare your security team? To yeah. Like everyone else around here. Yeah. Um, so there's a set of metrics. Um, frankly, the set of metrics and the reliability of those metrics is pretty small. Because um, we're still at a point where, um, and I think this is true for the industry, but only parts of the industry are willing to acknowledge it. Um, we're a gut feel uh, and where we are relative to our peers. Uh, and what we would be comfortable explaining to customers are more important than most individual metrics. Um, and so that's sort of mm -hmm. a, a macro level framework that we use is like, where are we relative to our peers and where are we relative to what customers are asking for? Like, until we're able to say yes to almost all of the questions, then we're behind. Um, I had a really great conversation a couple of days ago with another CISO who was saying, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, there was an expectation that banks would have the best security. Um, the reality is that may no longer be true and certainly 10 years from now, it won't be true. And it will have to be the case that cloud SaaS providers, i.e. Atlassian, uh, will have to be better even than the banks. I, I, um, I think they are. I think we're close you know, as a collective, but I think the expectation is that they will have to. Uh, and so... Um, Certainly if you want to get the banks on board. Uh, to get the banks on board, even to get like, you know, the insurance companies on board collectively, you know, et cetera. Uh, so we have to get to that point where I think at the infrastructure level, they're undoubtedly better. Uh, at the application level, I think it's still, it's, it's a bit of a mix. I think they, um, like banks have the money to throw the people at it. Sheer volume of people that they have sitting in front of the screen, yeah. looking at like the SOC alerts, the events come through. That there's just like they're brute forcing that security rather than like really. I, into the... I don't know that you can brute force it that way, um, but they're certainly trying. And and I don't know that they necessarily have any other choice, right? given right. the type of infrastructure that they have and the complexity of that infrastructure. The legacy of um, those issues. That they yeah. Have to Whereas I think the SaaS folks, even like us, we have a much cleaner environment. Uh, and so we can design it in, in a way that banks can talk about, but can't actually do. 
Um, so that's how we think about it, um, is where, where are we placed sort of in terms of capabilities relative to our peers more than anything else. Uh, in terms of uh, levels of investment, super interesting. If I walk around and I ask people, you know, some people it's uh, a ratio to uh, headcount across the entire company. Some people it's a ratio of headcount to R&D. Some people it's a ratio to engineering, which is a subset of R&D. Some people it's a budget ratio as opposed to a headcount ratio. Um, lots of different ways that you can do the comparison. Um, ultimately, um, you know, our approach is, uh, are we, uh, are we currently increasing our investment, uh, relative to overall expansion of our business? Uh, and right now we're expanding our security investment at about three X the rate we're expanding our business. Um, do I think that will happen in perpetuity? No. Uh, at some point, they'll expand in lockstep. Uh, but the reality is to get to a point where we've got security that outstrips financial institutions, for example, we need to be overspending relative to our growth. Um, we need to be uh, overspending, especially on people, because uh, I think a lot of this needs to be software development that's integrated directly into the way that we've built our products. Uh, and it can't be third-party software development because that stuff just doesn't work. Um, it's, too clunky, it's not integrated. And if it goes down in the middle of the night, we need to be able to fix it immediately and have to work on it. And so um, probably, we'll probably increase our investment in pure software development in support of the security mission um, at a rate that's maybe double what the overall growth rate of the company is. Um, and then overall, we'll probably be triple. So our sec you know, security people who do product security and security intelligence and uh, analysis of security events. If we had a SOC, the people that would be sitting in the SOC, those will grow roughly equivalent to the, to the current rate of growth in the company. Uh, and the rest of our security capability around building out automation and building out that tooling, it's going to grow quite a bit faster. Um, we'll see where it goes from there. Well, very good. Um, David, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. You've been uh, very helpful. This is very insightful. I appreciate it. Hope it's um, helpful. I think we'll be, we'll be pretty excited to have a little bit of a peek underneath the treasures of what's going on there at Atlassian. Yeah. Right. And hopefully, uh, you know, our, our intention is to be as open as we can. Uh, we're moving in that direction, but I think uh, hopefully over the next year, two years, we'll we'll share more and more about what it is that we're doing and what's working, what's not working. So this is we'll come back to the end. Cool. Sounds like a win.